Welcome to Cycling Explained, hosted by Brent from Pro Cycling Bets. Cycling Explained attempts to demystify the world of professional cycling and delves into the variables surrounding the nuanced layers of the sport itself. In each episode, we'll explore one variable and how it affects the riders, the teams, the tactics, and the betting markets. Want to begin to watch cycling but don't know where to start? Interested in betting on races but have no idea how to find good value picks? You've come to the right place. In this intro episode, we'll generically dive into the world of pro cycling, whereas in future episodes, we'll specifically focus on one variable and how it influences the riders, the teams, the tactics, and how you can use it to better find value in your betting picks. All right, so we got Nick here. He's going to join us for episode one of Cycling Explained. Uh, pleasure. I'm glad you can make it. Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks. So Nick, uh, Nick was asking me some questions about the Giro this morning, so I thought I'd get him on and uh, help out and uh, try and you know broach the subject of cycling with like a younger fan base. This is kind of what I'm trying to do and like get people interested into it. I feel like there's a lot of benefit from like the long form media aspect of cycling yeah, yeah. compared to some of you know what we have these days so uh, yeah so i guess start off with maybe what you asked me this morning yeah so i overheard two uh british announcers talking loudly about cycling and i know that <laughs> giro is going on so i'd love to learn more about it and what's going on yeah for sure so the giro is one of like the three major tours right and take this with a grain of salt like i'm new coming into this as well right mm-hmm. so i've you know i'm on the trainer like multiple hours a day and I, all i do is watch cycling so like i've, I've ramped up quick but um, the Giro is uh, what it, the pundits love to say is it's like the small brother of the tours. Mm. So there's three major tours: there's the Velta, okay. La Velta, the mm. uh, Tour de France, which everyone knows, and then there's the Giro d'Italia. And the Giro comes first in the season. Cool. The Velta is run in Spain at in April. Um, but now it comes in August, which is probably a horrible month, given how hot it is <laughs> um, in Spain. Uh, it's uh, quite a calamity these <laughs> days. But um, Tour de France is obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And the Giro wants to be that. The Giro wants to be that, like, you know, older brother kind yeah, of yeah. aspect. But it's not quite there yet. Um, and so what we're experiencing this, um, this it's a three-week tour. So mm-hmm. the Grand Tour is all three weeks. Okay. Um, most w- tours are... Uh, you know, in the early spring or summer in the fall are week long. Mm, and then you have a bunch of classics in the spring. Cool. Yeah. So I have a, a good kind of Excalibur up that I can share with you. Maybe you might put in the video. I've just like the cycling season explained in an infographic way. Um, but it's it's quite fun. Um, but this year in the Giro, you asked me how to do in. It is a shit show. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. It is. Uh, the weather's horrible. Um, it's been like super cold, super rainy. Uh, Imola in F1 this year is completely washed out, uh, which is also in Italy. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, and so, uh, and people are dropping like flies, right? So there's there's a core, like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to not dig into the weeds here in, in cycling. Mm-hmm. We can maybe dig in if you're interested. Thank you. But uh, there's a core number of general classification contenders, which are like, uh, general classification is like at the end of the three weeks, whoever has the fastest over the course of those like days, they all get added up and okay. wins the race, right? And so there's a lot of people who will immediately get kicked out of the GC race just because they, they fall off, they crash, mm-hmm. they're not really there to do it. To be a GC contender, you need to, comes down to a few elements, but mm-hmm. the main GC contenders are good at two things. They're good at climbing mountains and time trialing. Because sometimes every, every day is a different type of course, mm-hmm. okay. which is really unique 
to cycling. Uh, and in this Giro, there's actually three time trials, which is so it's pretty heavy on the time trial basis. And what's the time trial? Yeah, so uh, time trial, um, I mean, it's super nuanced. They used to have a prologue, which was anything between like 6 to 8K at the start. Okay. Um, and it's just like a super thing to get, super quick race to get off the bat and get people like listed. Yeah, cool. And so it's like, how fast can you do that eight kilometer okay, race? Yeah, yeah. But now they're starting to move away from prologues and they're moving to time trials, which are usually in the range of 15 to 25K. Um, you'll get ones also that are 40K and longer. You've had mm. one um, like that. And so you're basically just trying to do that course in as quick as possible. Uh, and cool. what comes into this, the time trial is interesting because you know, uh, certain time trials are heavier, like they have a hill in them. Mm -hmm. And so if you have uh, a time trial that's heavier, you might be very good on a flat time trial, but less good when there's a hill involved yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's harder to push yourself up the hill. There might be a lot of turns involved. So it's coming down to bike handling, all mm -hmm. that jazz. And then also like uh, the, the weather can be bad. So if you, the time trial lasts three hours, right? Depending on when you start. Mm -hmm. um they go off every minute or so so if you go off when it's raining you'll uh, have a worse time than when you go off there that's what i so this is kind of what uh i love about cycling is that there's so many variables there's like so many mm -hmm. variables that you cool. can dig into that affect each of the stages yeah. uh, and it's so nuanced and it's it's actually why uh i'll be uh promoting a, i'm gonna write a book baby on it because nice. it's just so interesting yeah. to me uh, and it's something i've like had a passion to doing so but um so yeah, the time trials and the climbing, getting back to the, the general classification. And so at the end of the first five days, you have a f like, we're talking maybe 20 to 30 people are still in the general classification out of okay. a total rider base of 180. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So the total rider base 180, but it, it narrows down to around 20 or 30 or still within, you know, five to 10 minutes of each. Other. Um, and so these five to 10 uh, minute people, have been dropping like flies and they've been dropping like flies because they've either been crashing because of the weather or they've been getting COVID. So COVID oh, has shit. really impacted the race this year with a number of them drop, having to drop out. Mm. Um, just two days ago, someone crashed and broke their femur bone. Oh, uh, and so it's like really been a, a tough race for uh, the Giro and uh, the number one contender. So there's about, uh, there's, six well-known riders who hmm. generally win most of the races okay, they're, yeah. they're called the big six and so uh there's an article up on the website if you guys are interested and the big six riders roglich uh and avonapol two of the big six were facing off against each other mm -hmm. in this race um and remco was uh he's like a 22 year old kind of i might not be 22 but i might be bullshitting that but he's young um and uh, cycling is kind of like progressing to be a younger and younger mm. sport. And, yeah, we can dig into that as well. Uh, but honestly, we can be here for ages. So we'll keep this one short. And uh, Remco just had to drop out. Because, oh, uh, so now it's kind of like you lost one of your star contenders in this race. Uh, and the Giro is like, just like everyone's dropping and just yeah, becoming yeah. sort of farcical yeah. for it because uh, you just yeah. so many people. And, and also uh, so the Belgian media is the belgians are great right like i think i've told you the stat yeah. where 10 percent of the population watches the cyclocross races and, 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 which is crazy um and uh remco's belgian and mm -hmm. so they were all super involved in Giro. yeah yeah and now that he's dropped out uh there's less interest there and yeah. the Giro's is getting stressed but also just the Giro is just like poorly organized it's mm -hmm. been like 
they haven't done accommodations for riders well at the end of the stages. The stages that like they don't have backup plans. So if there's snow on the top of a mountain, they can't do it. They don't have any backup plan. And then like there's this one time trial at the end which has was supposed to have this insane climb, like super steep climb. Okay, yeah. And they they uh, to they usually allow a bike change during a time trial if it goes from like being flat stage to a mountain stage mm. because you want a different type of bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'll okay. take like that five to ten second hit to be able to switch to an aerodynamic like a lighter bike yeah, to yeah. be able to go up that mountain. Um, but it's so steep that they they didn't plan this, so they couldn't get cars up, oh, and so yeah. the people are gonna have to go up on motorcycles. And like hand them their bike, oh, uh, but then they didn't have enough motorcycles, and it was just like <laughs> poorly planned. And so that's kind of what the Giro is. It's run by RCS, which is the Italian Cycling. Okay, cool. Um, it runs most of the Italian races, and yeah, like yeah. some Saudi, not the Saudi two, but I think the two of Oman. Uh, and it's just like not super great compared to the ASO. And the mm. ASO is the Amari Sports Organization, which runs the Tour de France. It runs La Velta. It's uh, honestly where I get all my photos. It's great. It's like super well run and does a good job. Not perfect, obviously. No one does a perfect yeah. job. So so I don't know. So this, these organizations are both like choosing the routes, um, like doing all the like administration, but also like booking accommodation and kind of like setting up the teams for success in terms of like equipment and, and bikes and stuff. It, yeah, it's sort of it, uh, it. Some of it falls on the team. Some of it falls mm. on the organization. So okay, organization okay. has to make sure that there's enough hotels that the gotcha. uh, the teams can book to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, for example, on one of these stages, the RCS provided the option to fly down via a uh, helicopter. Mm. You had to pay in ahead of time. And yeah, some teams yeah. didn't. And they got stuck with taking a gondola down with like fans. <laughs> and so you have these like professional cyclists like going down with these fans. And then, you know, some of people, some of the pundits have said like, oh, well, that's how they got COVID, you know, kind of stuck mm, in this gondola yeah, uh, with these fans. And so it's been... You know, a bit of a, it's, yeah, so, and, and yeah, it's unfortunate. It just makes the race a little bit less interesting, a little bit less involved. Um, but it's also good for some of those smaller riders who kind of have a better chance now. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, uh, I think what's going on right now is that teams are just super cautious. They kind of want to, it's like now a mm. war of attrition. <laughs> who can it's make like, it? Who can make it, right? <laughs> uh, and so there's this thing in cycling where, it's common to win a stage. Um, I would say if I really have to be like super, super uh, high level, you can win a stage uh, via a sprint. Um, mm -hmm. And so the sprinters will win in a bunch sprint at the end. So there's like certain riders who are known to sprint well, right? Just mm -hmm. like in track or running. And then there's also uh, almost all stages have a breakaway. So a breakaway mm -hmm. is like a group of what riders who will go away at the start of stage so stages like you know 180 kilometers to 220 kilometers kind of usually uh, and they'll just go off the front by themselves mm -hmm. um and they'll kind of uh that's another way to win the stage and we can dig into why a breakaway happens um but then there's also usually a sometimes a gc where it's like a gc battle and gc means general classification and so it's it's that's when those players kind of come out the to try and make time gaps on their opponents. Mm -hmm. And that usually happens either on time power stages mm -hmm. or mountain stages. Um, because, uh, yeah, like it's hard to, sprints are risky, you only make up a few seconds, mm -hmm. but on like a mountain stage, you can make up two to three minutes yeah, yeah. on your opponent um, compared to in a sprint a little bit here and there. Uh, there's also bonuses that come into play. So throughout the stage, 
you'll have like intermediate sprints where you might be able to pick up a few bonus seconds here and mm. there that factor in to your overall time. I will take it down. Um, and so Roglic, who's one of the main contenders and one of the big six, that's what he's well known for is kind mm. of taking those bonus seconds slowly piling them up. That's cool. Quick language terminology question. So that, so the tour is three weeks yeah. and there's different stages. Is it one stage per day or what, like yeah, how many stages yeah, fit yeah. in? Yeah, so it's one stage per day and uh, each stage is kind of completely different. Uh, it usually goes, sometimes it goes from the same town to the same town, mm -hmm. like point to, but usually it's point to point. Okay, yeah. And so you'll get to experience, and that's like one of the, I feel that there's so many things that people can like about cycling, mm -hmm. um, just because there's so many nuances to it. So I might not, like some people really like the tech and getting involved there. I'm not, I don't care mm -hmm. as much about the tech, but mm -hmm. some people do. But the nice thing about cycling is also I feel the imagery, the history, the oh, yeah, totally. like the castles that are showing and all that. Landscapes. Landscapes. Yeah. Uh, and it really uh, intrigues me and that, that angle of it. So the point to point where you get to see all these mm -hmm. cool architecture to watch. Um, typically the same route every year across each yeah, country? Yeah, it's completely new every year. Oh, um, wow. So you'll have the same, you'll have some of the same climbs every year because yeah. there's only so many mountains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, though certain climbs will be reused every, I would say, two to three years. Mm -hmm. um, but new routes will usually happen every year. Um, and then in the classics, it's a little bit different. The classics is like the spring season. And those happen mainly in France and in Belgium. Um, there's also week-long tours in Spain and whatnot, but specifically in the classics, they'll have the same uh, route mm. roughly mm -hmm. every year. Um, and there's five monuments, which are classics that have become, have so much history. They've been around for so long that they've been given the term a monument. Cool. Uh, and they're, uh, yeah, they, they have basically identical routes. Uh, sometimes they get added to. Um, but mm -hmm. it's like a big thing to get added to. Uh, but yeah, there was uh, this year, one of the well-known ones is um, Paris-Roubaix. It's a run on cobbles, so it's oh, distinguishing features. It's just like a lot of huge cobbles, <laughs> right, going on. Uh, and one this year, Canadian one, uh, Alison Jackson nice. for uh, in the women's race. Because mm -hmm. women's cycling is super fun and super big. If, you, if people want to get into cycling, I'd, I'd actually recommend women's cycling. Um, not... Uh, there's one, uh, <laughs> there's, there's someone who's winning, Demi Volering is winning all the time right now, mm -hmm. but um, there's definitely been some good races. Uh, but uh, yeah, in, in this race, it was really exciting and the Canadian pulled it out at the end uh, just because of this like, miss this like miscommunication and infighting between the breakaway. So mm -hmm. Allison Jackson's in the breakaway, kind of what we were discussing um, about this like kind of a break that forms off the main group, which mm -hmm. is called the Peloton. Um, and then this chasing group that was kind of tracing from the peloton to the breakaway couldn't get the like they couldn't mm. decide because they didn't want to put too much energy to help like chase up yeah, because yeah. then they wouldn't have enough for the sprint and then it it just like didn't work out and the Canadian won. Not saying that she didn't 100% deserve it, but you know the 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 main leader who you would have expected just um, oh. kind of neat. So. Um, yeah, and then the Tour de France will happen after the Giro. It's the one that everyone knows, kind of gets the most um, money. It's where most of the marketing goes. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize when I got into it was just how many races were going on that wasn't the Tour de France. Yeah. Like, you come from this North American audience, which I'm trying to broaden mm -hmm. here. Um, and there's, like, the season goes on basically all year, except for the fall. The fall gets pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, but... 
uh, it's pretty enjoyable to be part of because you can just uh, it can it's like all all your all your cool. so. and we're talking about teams are teams typically national teams it'd be like the french team the german team or not necessarily yeah interesting that's a good question so uh, teams are you do have national teams okay yeah but they're usually there's different levels so there's the world tour which is 20 teams hmm. or 18 teams 18 teams um and and there's world tour races where only the the, the world tour teams have to go to gotcha, gotcha. and there's two wild cards from the lower level which is it's kind of like soccer or like football yeah, um, yeah. and then you have so the pro level which is below world tour gotcha. and then you have the dot one and the dot two okay. um and dot two is basically anyone but dot one is like continental kind of mm. kind of thing and that's where the national teams will come in so you mm -hmm. do have your national teams but mainly you have these teams that are funded by uh you have an owner on the team and then they get funded by partners uh, and so the team's okay. names will change every year which is quite confusing depending on the sponsor so you yeah. have yumbo visma which is a grocery store um belgian grocery store yeah, yeah. and then um another well-known team is ineos grenadiers ineos is can't remember the company but it's a billionaire who owns it mm -hmm. that one's pretty stable it used to be sky but then it transitioned to ineos um and then uh yeah there's trek segafredo so trek is a bike company mm -hmm. you might know mm -hmm. segafredo it's usually these like combination of companies where they like mash together <laughs> yeah it's and like um the jerseys change every year because of that as well mm -hmm. which i find super annoying um but also super fun i mean like it's fun to see new designs every yeah. year uh but it is and i also used to not be a fan of like the uh the jerseys themselves i thought they were kind of like plastered with too many uh kind That's, of ads yeah. but they're growing on me so sure. and to be fair cyclists need all the money you can get yeah. in the audience so niche uh, so yeah the teams are 20 Sorry, it differs on the level, mm -hmm. but the teams at the World Tour are 30 riders, Damn. and six to eight riders will go to an event depending on um, what type of race it is. Mm -hmm. So if it has yeah. more hills, it may squad. Yeah, cool. Uh, and if, uh, if yeah, depending on the, like some riders go to classics, so they'll go to the classic races, which are one days, um, but there's some that are week long, and then these riders will also uh, might be racing at the same time too. There might be two mm, races going on yeah. at the same time. So they'll send different team squads. And there's this whole kind of UCI, uh, which is the kind of like global cycling body where it's like a relegation battle. So you have this also this other battle, which is across the board, which is this points battle, which is kind of like, again, football mm, in the UK where yeah. you get relegated. You can get relegated here as well, but it's over a three-year time span instead of a one-year time span. Mm. Triannual which is a little bit different from what um, most people experience. Uh, and so you want to send riders to get, right? So you're trying to maximize your points at the same time so that you stay ahead of all these. Um, so the points are awarded at the team level or at the rider level? Points are awarded at the rider level, but they're also awarded sometimes at the team level because you'll have like a team classification mm -hmm. of your friends. Uh, and, and to your point on teams and, and countries, what is interesting is some teams will try and only acquire riders from that country. So Uno X mm -hmm. is a petrochemical company in Norway, I believe. Could be Denmark. Sorry, sorry, Danish people, if I got that one wrong. But um, they're they're really only going to take Danish riders. That's what they only want to do, and they've explicitly stated that. It'll mm -hmm. take some. We'll take some other Scandinavian riders because, like you know, there's only so many Norwegian <laughs> riders out there. Um, but there's also like French teams like Arkea, uh, who will 
want to fill up their squad or Groupama, FDJ, will want to fill up the squad with French riders gotcha. mainly. Yeah, yeah. And so they'll kind of do that. And then like there's other, what I find is like some teams. Um, so the uh, Astana Kazakhstan team mm-hmm. uh, is sponsored. There's two teams sponsored by like um, states, like countries. Mm, yeah. um, so there's UAE and Astana Kazakhstan. And Astana has some Kazakh riders, but it's also really heavily Italian based. So okay. it's just like hot, like it just like, and this is just like nuance. Like you just like kind of like, they don't explicitly say, oh, we just have, like, do Italian riders, but really they just do Italian riders. Yeah. Uh, and so, and like EF Education Post, which had Allison Jackson who mm-hmm. won that race, yeah. um, is like tries to hire US based. Israel Premier Tech tries to hire Canadians. Uh, I haven't dug into exactly why. <laughs> I'm sure it's some sort of the founder is Canadian or the company is Canadian or something like that, right? And so hmm. you have all these little kind of nuances, what's going on. Um, but within the team, the interesting part about the team is it's usually only one or two leaders, right? So hmm. you have these six, eight riders, but there's really only one or two hmm. general classification riders who team is actually trying Gotcha. And so you have all these other riders who are helping that rider win either by like you know, blocking the mm-hmm. wind or like kind of doing that. But they're also sometimes allowed to go for a stage win if they're if it's not going to affect the rider. If the rider doesn't need support, then they yeah. can go for the stage win. And then they'll probably take one or two sprints because sprinters are really you know sometimes it's a sprint on stage. You mm-hmm. just you, you see it and you look at the stage and you're like, well, that's going to be a sprint, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no opportunity for like a break to form, which is usually over a hill or a climb. Uh, and then it just all comes down to a sprint. And so those stages are kind of boring. It's like a transition stage. You just like riders like bike 180 kilometers and then it just comes. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so, and the main G- GC guys don't go for the sprint because it's too risky. You could crash yeah. uh, and then get injured or you lose your spot. So kind of funny in that way. Uh, but it's a slow build. The whole sport is a slow build. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch. Uh, and some and the unexpected happens all the time. Some rider does a really good job that you don't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's also why you'll get in sports betting, you'll get these gigantic odds. So we did really well with Derek G recently, who's a Canadian, mm-hmm. who's recently won two stages from the Giro. Okay. He had 601 odds. Wow. So when we put down a dollar, <laughs> we would get a $601 back. Um uh, we did an each way bet, so it was on an each way bet. It kind of differs, but the odds were: if your rider comes first, you get six hundred one dollars. If your rider comes second or third, you get one fourth of whatever mm-hmm. the odds were. Okay, so one hundred twenty five dollars. Yeah. You still, it was a good payday. Yeah. Like, don't get us wrong, but um, it's it's why you have these crazy. You see, compared to other sports betting numbers, you'll have you know, Toronto Blue Jays have two dot five to win, yeah. or one dot. 7.5 to win, not 601, right? <laughs> 601 is insane. Uh, but that's just what happens, right? Because first you got to bet on they get in the breakaway, which is four to seven riders out of 180. And then you have to, they have to have a good enough sprint to come top three yeah. out of those riders. So we find that the sports betting is also a fun part to of it just because it kind of like and there's so many nuances you can play with and it, like, it kind of feeds in there so the more research you do you mm, it actually does have some impact yeah, yeah. Uh, on how well you can do which is is, is quite entertaining and also for I, I would recommend people who are getting into it for time trial stages we think it's really fun because mm. most people find time trial stages quite boring which is fair um but we really enjoy it because if you uh if you space it right sometimes like you get riders who you bet on who 
are going off at certain points of time throughout the entire race. So it's kind of fun to like keeps engaged, keep, yeah. keeps engaged the entire time. Um, but then also we find you can do the most research and do the best with the time trial stages mm-hmm. um, because uh, there's less variables. Yeah, um, sure. Cycling has way too many goals. <laughs> Uh, and when it comes to time trialing, you can kind of reduce that number and have a better shot of actually doing pretty well. So, cool. yeah. You mentioned bets on like finishing first, finishing second. Are there other like categories of bets that are common? Like, can you bet on teams? Yeah, can you bet on specific like, stages? Yeah, great question. So, it, it differs per event. So, uh, if you have one of the general, uh, the, the Grand Tours, they'll mm-hmm. do a lot more because they know the liquidity in that market. People are going to be betting. So they have a lot more options. You yeah. can like bet on top 10, top five points classification, huh. which is like who gets the most points, who's going to win King of the Mountains, who is points for getting to the top of a hill, right? Mm-hmm. On every stage. Um, there's a uh, rider to win three plus stages, rider to win two plus stages, wow. you know, all those, right? But that doesn't usually happen other than the Grand Tour. The main ones are for the other ones are, you know, each way bets. So like you bet on the first place and you bet on, you have to do a second bet to be able to bet for second or third, mm-hmm. kind of like it forces you. And then there's head to head. So it faces, pits off two riders who are similar caliber together and then gives you odds, which is more similar betting on teams in the yeah. NHL or NFL kind of thing. Um, and then you can usually parlay those. And the nice thing about that is there's less luck involved. I think generally when you parlay those, so we've had pretty good success, uh, you know, compared to compared to doing parlay on four MLB games, uh, Major League Baseball games, mm-hmm. you can do a parlay on roughly the same odds. You'll have like 2.25 kind of thing. And you can do three or four of those riders together to create an odds of like 16 usually is what we aim for and still have pretty good success. If you like do some research, you think about who's going to be going for general general classification, like what is their team. It's not too tricky. Like mm-hmm. you spend 20 minutes at the end of the day, you pick some of these parlays, you'll do pretty well. Um, for the, for the novice sports betters out there like me, what's parlaying and yeah. So it's, it's definitely differing talking to certain friends in the industry. And so in the Europe, it's called doubling, I hmm. think. Okay. Uh, but parlaying is just combining multiple bets together. So if one fails, they all fail. Mm-hmm, okay. So it, it, but they multiply each other. So if you have two dot two five, you can do singles and you can do two dot two five. Put down a dollar, you get two dot two five, right? Yeah. Um, and you can do that for all of them, or you can say, hey, I only want, like, I want, uh, I will only. I'll take $16 back, so 2 times 2 times 2 times 2, Yeah. Um, only if all of them are successful. So if all four of those riders beat the other four riders, take the $16, otherwise I'd lose. <laughs> Even if three of the four are successful, I lose. All right, so it's a riskier option, and usually it's like, I would say in most other sports, it is a lottery. You're picking, mm. you're picking lottery picks. But I think in cycling, it's different. I think that's what's really nuanced about cycling, is it's, it's just different. Uh, there's, 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 it, it, the variables in play are, can be researched really well and, oh, maybe it just makes sense to me. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm just doing well, but I've, I've quintupled my bankroll since I've started. Nice. So, um, you know, I think anybody who wants to spend some time getting to a sport that's uh, enjoyable on so many aspects and so many levels, uh, I think cycling is, is really good. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. I think, you know, some of my friends have said like, oh, I don't have the attention span. I would say you can increase your attention span by, you know, 
reading long form articles totally. or spending time. Uh, and I'm not going to beat it, everyone over the head with a stick and say, you got to watch cycling, but I enjoy it. Speaking of watching cycling, let's say I tune into our morning, I open up Jiro. What, what am I thinking about? What am I looking at? Like, what am I, you know what I mean? Um, like help explain to me what different strategies are or like what I'd be looking for when I'm watching. Yeah. So you kind of want to pay attention at the start of a race and that's when the break is usually breaks for generally. Sometimes they don't again, sometimes it's a sprint stage and like mm-hmm. all the riders just go boringly for 180 kilometers, but usually you want to pay attention to the start because okay. it'll be interesting. Like they'll be debating who to allow in the break, depending on how long their time gap is mm-hmm. from the GC contenders. So if you're 15 minutes off a of G like first place, you'll probably be allowed in the break. Um, and they'll, but they'll only allow that break to go out to 15, like 14 minutes. Right. Um, and they'll be on the radio with the team cars and the Hmm. team cars will have like the TV playing and whatever. And like, they'll know everything. Uh, they'll have Velo viewer, which is like kind of like a three map kind of, uh, and they'll just know, okay, we're only going to allow the break have 10 minutes. Um, and, but that initial kind of stage that it's like, who's going to get in the break. Right. And like. They're kind of fighting with each other and they're like kind of like they attack and which just means to go faster mm-hmm. um and then a few of them will get into the break or they might not get into the break and get reeled back um and so that's what you're kind of watching for and then you have this period where it could be just constant fighting the entire day but usually it's not usually the break forms and then for a good 80 kilometers or so it's usually like an hour and a half it's usually pretty boring you can go have lunch whatever <laughs> um it's not always like that though, you know, on there's certain stages. Uh, so on our website, we, we point out certain key stages where general classification battles will happen. And that's where action is mm-hmm. all the time. Cool. Uh, you'll, have, you'll be going up a mountain, there might yeah. be attack on the mountain, they might be caught back up and then on the next mountain, they'll be caught back up. And so it's kind of like you have all these opportunities. And those, so those are the days you really want to watch. Uh, and so we'll point those out uh, on our, on our posts. Uh, but, uh, and then, on the other days, though, again, the break forms, and then it might be reeled back right at the end. Like, the, mm-hmm. they're so good at just, like, reeling these guys back right at the end. There might be a bunch of sprint at the end. So you might have this break form and go for the 100, 200 kilometers, and then they'll just, the, the peloton is just so oh, much yeah, faster yeah, yeah. because they have so many more bodies that they can circle through and the aerodynamics, and they'll just bring them back, and then there'll be a bunch of sprint at the end. Mm-hmm. So the, the bunch isn't, the break isn't necessarily... It sucks for the, the break sometimes. Like recently, a few days ago, these two riders re- just went for 180Ks. And in the last 500 <laughs> meters, they got reeled in by the break. Uh, and imagine it's the riders. It would have been so much harder for the two of them to run, ride 180 compared to the, the Peloton. Where it's just com- with the aerodynamics and everything. so much easier. Um, so that's what you're kind of looking for. Uh, and so you're watching these key riders. I guess, uh, yeah, digging in. You'd want to probably ask someone. They do a good job, the announcers, but like, who are the main contenders? Mm-hmm. You know, you have yeah. to have some backstory, mm-hmm. right? Without the backstory, it's pretty hard to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I would say. And so you, I would recommend. It's a good comment because maybe we can do something on our site to kind of illustrate this to people. But like, how do I start watching the Giro, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like these are the main contenders. Here's a photo of them. Here's what they look like on a bike. <laughs> uh, and then you can kind of see what's actually happening and pay attention. Um, but again, it's one of those sports where it's not enjoyable right off the bat. But it's it's like those things in life where you spend a little bit of energy, a little bit of effort, and it becomes drastically more rewarding compared to some other thing where you can pick up very quickly. Um, and so, 
yeah, I, I would recommend just like learning the top riders in the GC and that will get you a long way to actually enjoying the race a little bit better. Um, and, and one of the great things about uh, cycling is, you know, when it's offered through GCN, it's like pretty cheap. It's like 80 bucks the entire year. Mm -hmm. And the announcers are quite entertaining. They realize cycling isn't the most, <laughs> you know, action-packed race yeah, yeah. the entire time. So they're bantering with each other. They're, you know, making jokes and they'll explain some tactics along the way too. So watching it with some of that audio is nice. And as a spectator, do you find that like in a three-week tour, the first couple of days are more exciting than the last couple of days? Or like, you know, there's like specific um, days of the mountain or specific exciting days? Or how do you find like throughout the tour, the, I don't know, your involvement in yeah, the the tours tours are usually backloaded, which means they have the most the, the hardest stages at the end, okay, with yeah. the most climbing. Huh. Climbing usually doesn't start to the middle of the Grand Tour. Very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of it's weird. Um, but essentially, I think maybe it's because they they want to allow the sprinters at the start to have a chance. Uh, a lot of the sprinters actually like just like drop out of the tour mm. uh, um, after like once the hills start coming because yeah. they're just like oh, fuck, I can't do this, <laughs> and so. Um, but it also allows a switch over of the jersey. So every every Grand Tour has like a, a leader who wears a specific colored jersey. And so it allows, it's very prestigious. And mm -hmm. so it allows that jersey to switch over between uh, the people in the first few days mm -hmm. before the GC battle is kind of like settled. People And like one person wears the jersey every day kind yeah. of thing. It allows that jersey to circulate, uh, which is a bit more fun, a little bit more entertaining. So I kind of like stack that in a bit with the sprinters. You know, jersey switching around, GC battle starts to heat up in the second week yeah. kind of thing. And then, like, whoever can survive and, like, kind of finish strong in the final. Um, and so that's usually... And for some of these racers, how many races they do in a year? Mm, yeah, so you're usually looking at around 60 race days okay. uh, every year, yeah. which is a lot. Uh, some do less, some do more. I think the most is probably around 80 race days, but um, you still got to time it well, like... The, the era of Mars that everyone complains these days, it's not complains, but they just say the modern, modern cycling, you have to be, every race is hard now. There used to be some easy races where you yeah. could show up and not be on your top game, but now every race is hard. So they have to like do periodization in their training to make sure they're like peaking at the right times mm -hmm. um, with the performance. So they do the altitude camps at the right times. So they'll go to altitude for like two weeks right before the tour and then they'll come down. And so everything is like really, really like you got there's no it's no <laughs> it's not like the old days apparently um but like you know you weigh your food you do these altitude cans like um you have to be super aerodynamic all the time mm -hmm. and so that's what also like some of the younger generation of riders is uh super proficient at being uh knowing like aerodynamics is becoming a bigger and bigger issue these days. And these, these younger riders really care about it mm. um, compared to some of the older riders. Uh, and you can, in the time trials, you can clearly see it. It's very, very obvious that these younger riders are outperforming the older huh. riders. Um, there's this thing called CDA, which is a coefficient of drag. And it's uh, younger riders just know what to do. There's, there's this outstanding star, Ben Healy, who's shown up this year, you know, a breakout star this year. Mm who's in the classics, he would wear a skin suit, just kind of just like a one-piece suit compared okay. to like the bib and the top. Um, and, and he does that because it's like super, much more aerodynamic. Uh, and some of probably why he's done so well, I mean, he's an amazing rider, but I'm sure some of it is because of the skin suit he wears. So 
you know, tech is, and that, that affects the teams too, right? Because some teams don't have as much budget. There's no budget cap uh, compared to some of the other sports. Yeah, and yeah. so if you can spend a ton of money on mm. your budget setup, you'll do really well. Yeah. So like Derek G, who we made a lot of money on. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Um, he's on Israel Premier Tech and he's the national time trial champion of Canada, but Israel Premier Tech doesn't have a lot of money. And so he doesn't do very well in time trials, even though he should in mm, theory, yeah. because their time trial sh- is just like shit compared to Ineos or one of the other big name teams who has a lot of backing and money. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, those are good questions. One more, one more yeah. kind of high level question. We talked about like 60, uh, maybe 60 to 80 days of racing per rider. We have like 30 ish riders on a team kind of like changing races every year. How like orchestrated and planned out is the whole year by the admins of the team? Like does everyone kind of know which races they're going to be in and can train like three months from now, I'm going to be in this race. So I need to go in this altitude. You know what I mean? Or is it kind of more ad hoc as it goes? Yeah, it's a great question. So the tours will release uh, their roadmap or the roadbooks in the fall of okay. the previous year. Yeah. And so you the teams will view the roadbooks and decide if it suits the riders. So mm. if it has a lot of hills, if it has a lot of time trials. And so those main GC riders, there's only a select few GC riders who can actually ride at the correct caliber to be a general classification rider. Mm. Um, and so they'll decide if it, they want to go to the Tour or the Giro or La Velta. And so what usually happens with La Velta is someone who doesn't do well in the Giro, like maybe Remco will do this because he got sick. Uh, he was the one who was leading and then he got COVID two days ago. He'll probably go to the Velta. So the Velta is like a backup option. Um, mm. So if you don't do well or something goes wrong in your preparation for the tour, you crash, you get in an accident, like this happens all the time, but go to the Velta okay. because they'll, uh, it's in August and it's like a backup kind of three-week race. Mm. But otherwise, it depends on the team. They usually plan it out um, for the riders. The riders have some say or less say, depending on how good they are. Uh, Pogaccia is a very well-known rider, wins basically everything, uh, and he has a lot of say now in what he wants to do and where he wants to go to. But say you're a, a domestique or someone who works for the general classification rider, mm, yeah. you'll have less say what races you go to. Um, but again, it's a, it's a kind of nuanced back and forth uh, and, and also doesn't like the caliber. And- cool, all right, so I think we'll wrap up here. We had a good chat. Uh, I'm personally getting tired. <laughs> but we really appreciate appreciate Nick coming on. Uh, and if anyone has any questions, feel free to send us on our socials, like, subscribe, obviously all that jazz. Hopefully we improve from here. But if you're even at all interested in cycling, we recommend you take a stab because it's pretty damn cool. Um, Nick might even watch it, but we're not sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll give you an update later. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. This has been Brent from Pro Cycling Bets, and we look forward to you listening to the next one. We'd graciously appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcast or whichever podcast player you're listening from, signing up to our newsletter at ProCyclingBets.com, or following us on social media, specifically subscribing to Pro Cycling Bets on YouTube. All the links are in the show notes. Ciao.